0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of b Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you on the early morning hours of Thursday, June 23rd, 2022. And we're talking about another winner tonight. The Cardinals got it done in Milwaukee after losing game one of this series. Two to nothing in the Corbin Burns game. The Cardinals have come roaring back with consecutive wins, which means they are back in the driver's seat in the National League Central with now a one-game lead over the Brewers heading into Thursday's series finale on Thursday afternoon, one fifteen start, I believe, from what I'm going to continue calling Miller Park, which feels a little bit weird because Miller is technically also a brand, and so it feels a little bit weird to attach yourself and say, no, I'm coming out in defense of Miller rather than calling it American Family Field or whatever. But it was Miller Park for so long, right? And the Cardinals have Busch Stadium, and that's a beer brand, and Miller is also a beer brand. And so, to me, beer and baseball kind of go together. I think Miller Park sounds better, so that's what I call it. But nevertheless, the Cardinals will complete that series against the Milwaukee Brewers, the four-gamer from this week, at whatever you want to call the ballpark up in Milwaukee, And that'll be coming to you Thursday afternoon with Dakota Hudson against not that Jason Alexander, not the Seinfeld one, but the other one. We'll be pitching for the Brewers on Thursday. But for now, let's get into the 5-4 win for the Cardinals, which featured a momentous occasion. The first major league win for one Johan Oviedo in 25 appearances over the last three baseball seasons Remember, he made the major league debut back in 2020, coming off of a season in Double a partial season in A, where he really wasn't very good, but he was still very young at the time. He's still pretty young, but at the time when he was pitching in A, all the way back in 2019, he was particularly young for the level of baseball that he was in. He's still only 24 years old right now. He celebrated a birthday in March, but he was 22 when he debuted for the Cardinals in August of 2020, and then he was 21, even a little younger than that, when he was pitching in the minor leagues in 2019. Had an ERA of like five and a half at Double A or something that was a little bit alarming, but the raw talent has always been there for Johan Oviedo. Cardinals called upon him in 2020 because they needed to. We can talk forever about whether that changed, altered his development in some way, perhaps a negative way. Because in the years since, he really wasn't all that effective in 2020, but it was hard to expect him to be, given the circumstances. Wasn't great last year either, whether in the minors or the majors. Not great so far this year in the minors as a starting pitcher. But the Cardinals, needing arms, called him up to be in the bullpen. And then, of course, Drew Verhagen, Nick Whitgren, the right-handers they were using primarily out of the bullpen, outside of those 8th, ninth inning situations when you've got to lead And you're going to use Gio or Helsley, one of those guys, in a late-game situation. The Cardinals have been having issues with the other segment of right-handed relievers and left-handed relievers, really, because TJ McFarland hasn't been good either. We do have some news on him, though, as he hit the injured list today. But the Cardinals really have needed some help in that middle relief area, and they've decided ever so slowly, it's taken them a while to do it, but they decided, you know what, Johan Oviedo is the guy that deserves the next crack at this thing to try and integrate himself into the bullpen in a a little bit more of a prominent role, in a more meaningful way. And so the Cardinals have slowly been giving him these opportunities. And tonight, folks, he was fantastic. Two and a third innings pitched, three strikeouts, and a bunch of goose eggs. No hits, no runs, no walks allowed by Johan Oviedo. So he earned every bit of that first career Major League win. I think they showed on the screen, on the Bally broadcast after the game, he had maybe 19 starts, but 25 total appearances in the big leagues. Never a win until tonight. Congratulations to Johan Oviedo. Well deserved. And like I said, he worked for it tonight and was phenomenal for seven outs and needed to be because Adam Wainwright was not his usual self. That's two starts in a row now where he has struggled this year against the Brewers and Tonight was was one of those. Four and two-thirds innings, four runs, seven hits, just one walk, seven Ks, which is noteworthy, but two home runs that he allowed, which is certainly not indicative of where Adam Wainwright wants to be in a given outing. His ERA for the season climbs to 3.32. But, you know, the Cardinals had offensive contributions tonight. They got things going early with Paul Goldschmidt. Injury update on him is back seems to be okay. He was back in the lineup and took... Lefty starter Eric Lauer deep in the first inning for a two-run shot, putting the Cardinals on the board right away. Milwaukee gets one back in the bottom of the first inning, but the Cardinals were, were able to consistently get the runs that they needed as this game went along. They'd score or they'd need to answer back for a score after a Brewers rally, and they were able to do it each and every time. Fourth inning, both teams scored a run. Cardinals still have that one-run lead. And then later on, they give it up with Adam Wainwright struggling a little bit. He's on the hook there, leaving after not completing the fifth inning, but he left in the middle of that fifth inning. And Cardinals were trailing four to three at the conclusion of the fifth. And then you get what you needed, you get what you came for, folks. Nolan Arenado with the home run, scoring Goldie, two run shot, his fourteenth of the season. Boy, do we need to see more of that from Nolan. And it was nice to see Goldie and Nolan go yard in the same game, right? It seems like for as as locked in as those guys have been at different ten, points in their tenure for the Cardinals, we haven't seen very many times. I think we could probably count on one hand the number of times they've gone yard in the same game. Happened tonight, needed every bit of the runs that they supplied with those homers. Cardinals beat the Brewers 5-4 at Miller Park American Family Field. Big night for Nolan Arnold going 2-4. for four. He doubled. Back in the first inning, had the home run in the sixth, two runs scored, two RBIs, OPS up to eight fifty-six. You like to see that. Goldie gets the OPS up to ten forty-one. If that's not your MVP at this point, I don't know who is. Three thirty-nine batting average. He was on base twice going two well, pardon me, going one for three, but had a walk as well, the two RBIs, and he scored after his walk on the Nolan R and out of home run. So offense does just enough. We talk about when are the Cardinals going to get into that mode where they score more in the range of five runs a game, and like that's a great average to have, but actually seeing that number on paper pretty much every night, night in, night out. That's what you want. You want to not limit yourself to have those games where you score one or two, you score three, even sometimes scoring four doesn't end up being enough. Five feels like a number, though, that if you can put that up as an offense, you're giving your pitching staff an absolutely fantastic chance to win that game. Even on a night where the pitching staff, in the case of Wainwright as the starter, wasn't at its best, but they did enough because Johan Oviedo comes in, seven straight outs, no problem with three Ks, and then give credit for Henesis Cabrera doing what he did. It was a little bit rockier than the Oviedo outing, but Henesis Cabrera comes on for the two out save, which I said last night on B shaped Dylan. Pretty sure I said it. If not, it was yesterday on the the big show on KTGR you very well may need two innings from hennessy's Cabrera to save this game tonight, because you're not going to have Helsley or Gio who both threw to the night prior. That was Tuesday when they did that. And so sure enough, it wasn't the way I thought it would be. I thought it would be after seven innings of Wainwright pitching, which he had done most of the times he, he three of the last four games. And the recent one where he didn't was still, he pitched into the seventh going six and a third. And then it had gone seven, 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 the, the three prior outings that he pitched. So I thought it would be Wainwright going 7, Cabrera going 2 and getting it done. Turns out they needed Oviedo as well to be the bridge man in that position, and that's perfect. That is a huge difference maker if Johan Oviedo can be this kind of pitcher for the Cardinals out of the bullpen as that middle relief slash bridge guy to the back end of the bullpen, or some nights he might be the back end of the bullpen, right? You You have to have all hands on deck throughout a season. And tonight it was his turn to take the load, and he was able to do it. And I think that's big news because while I still maintain that the Cardinals are going to need to get one more guy, like a closer type that can be a leverage reliever in the 7th, the 8th, or ninth to go along with the, the players they already have because health is not a given when it comes to a bullpen and you could absolutely find yourself you know, up a creek without a paddle, so to speak, down the road if something would happen to Gio or Helsley or Cabrera. And so I don't know if it's a lefty, righty, whatever. You just need a lockdown reliever that can be added to this group, I think, when it comes to discussing playoff time. In a playoff series, and a playoff push, you need more, and I still think that's going to be the case, even if Oviedo continues to be this guy, and even if Zach Thompson continues to be the guy that he was yesterday. That move that Ali Marmel announced on Sunday in Boston after the Cardinals blew two of three games because of bad pitching from the middle relief group in Boston, he announced that Thompson was going to take over for T.J. McFarland, sort of moving forward as that first lefty out of the bullpen in situations where you need a little bit of length in the middle innings. And then Oviedo was going to be thrust into that role from the right side instead of Drew Verhagen or Nick Wickert. And it's working out really splendidly so far. Thompson did his job tonight. Oviedo did it. And I don't know what the difference is for Oviedo from being a starting pitcher to what he's looked like out of the bullpen, but it's been night and day for Oviedo. He's looked really, really good. He hasn't dealt with any of those efficiency issues that he did as a starter. He hasn't given up much contact. It's just like his his pitches look sharper, and he's got a little bit of a different swagger on the mound to me. I feel like he is relishing the role and the opportunity that he's getting. And listen, we've always known Oviedo has a big arm with some nasty stuff. He's got a good repertoire. It's a repertoire that can thrive as a reliever, honestly. Because I think he's got more than two pitches that he'll be able to go to if he needs them. But you can also lean back on the fastball, lean on the slider, and that can work as well if you're Johan Oviedo. So he looked really good tonight. And I don't know how much we can expect it to continue. His ERA for the season is down to 3.0 with the Cardinals. Not a whole lot of experience there this season because he's been mostly in the minors. This is more of a recent development for him in the bullpen. But it's going really, really well. And I think he's found a home here. I think this is a situation where you can expect him to maybe not do this every time he pitches, but stabilize a little bit, right? Be able to be a guy the Cardinals can count on and and say, here's your role and here's where we are going to utilize you and this is what we need from you. I think Johan Oviedo can can thrive in that kind of scenario. I'm really excited to see what that could look like. Like I said, that's not a a fix-all for your bullpen. I still think then you kind of look at the guys who are demoted – like Whitgren Verhagen, and say, can they replace one of those roster spots down the road if they don't improve? Like, they'll get the chance to pitch in certain situations that are less of a high-leverage spot, less of an important spot. You've got your crew that you use when you're leading or tied late in the game. You've got your crew now that when you're down by a run or two, you're going to go to those guys, Oviedo, Zach Thompson. They're thriving, and and you're going to ride that as long as it's working. And then, though, you're going to have other situations where you're, Up by more than up by three or more, down by three or more, and you've got to get innings. And I think that's where the Whitgrins and the Verhagans and the McFarlins are going to get their opportunity to kind of cut their teeth and see if they can't work their way back into the quote unquote circle of trust. But for now, feel good about where they're heading in that direction with guys like Oviedo and Zach Thompson. Now, a little bit more on TJ McFarlane. He did go on the injured list today, on Wednesday before the game. No designation. No injury designation, which typically means COVID-related. And then it was later reported by uh, one of the beat writers, I think it was Derek Gould that had it post-dispatch, regardless that he did test positive for COVID. So when you go on the COVID IL, you don't have to disclose it. But the COVID IL means you either came in contact with someone who was a positive for COVID or you tested positive yourself. And I believe the revelation was that McFarland tested positive, which... Not a surprise. COVID's still a thing. COVID goes around. Clubhouse environment, you just hope it's contained and, and and can not turn into a bigger problem. I think with vaccinations, it's a little bit better than it otherwise would have been. If you had one guy get COVID in 2020, you're like, oh, crap. You know, this could be a very bad situation for my team. Now we kind of hope that we know more about it and we're, we're able to, to kind of contain things. I don't think we've seen the outbreak on the scale of, of what we were seeing in 2020. So Hopefully that remains the case. But just in terms of the Cardinals' bullpen, it was Junior Fernandez that was recalled in lieu of McFarland. So righty for a lefty. But again, I don't think Junior is going to be thrust into any sort of main role in this bullpen right away, and neither was McFarland at this point. So that's the update there. But again, you're, you're seeing a little bit of a different way that games can be approached. When your starter doesn't get through five innings and you only need to use two relievers the rest of the game, In a nine-inning game, not an eight-inning game on the road, because in an eight-inning game, it means you didn't win. The opponent did not need to bat in the ninth. That was not the case tonight. The Cardinals win the game, go all nine, and you only need two relievers. Oviedo, two and a third. Cabrera, two. No hits between the two of them and just the two walks that Cabbie allowed, but he got the job done. He grinded out those two innings, and the Cardinals get a very much-needed win to move into first place, sole possession of first in the National League Central. 40 wins, 31 losses on the season. To the Brewers, 39 and 32. So you feel really good about the way things went for the pitching staff tonight? Wainwright, I, I I still think it's a little too early to be concerned. Like I mentioned earlier, his last start against the Brewers five or so starts ago wasn't a great one. Went like five innings, four runs, three of them earned. And tonight, kind of a rehash of that, giving up a couple of home runs. Adam Wainwright's to a point in his career where if he's not sharp on every pitch and he makes a mistake or two, yeah, I mean, he's not throwing a lot of velocity at hitters, and so... There is definitely the the potential for those pitches to be punished. That happened a couple of times on Wednesday night to the Cardinals and to Wainwright. But for the season, he's still got solid numbers. I think you'll see him move back to be more of that workload guy. Tonight just wasn't very efficient. 101 pitches, unable to get through the fifth. I think you see that sometimes when he has to labor through at-bats. It's not like he was walking a bunch of guys, only had the one walk. But when Adam Wainwright strikes out seven, you almost kind of turn your head and go, Is that a good thing? I mean, not probably when he's also allowed seven hits and his fair share of runs. Four runs were allowed. And it's kind of like in those situations where he's not being super efficient because guys are getting on base via base hit and he's striking out a bunch of guys. You can almost expect, okay, the pitch count's going to be elevated and that's going to mean a shorter outing for Wainwright. Not able to get through the fifth inning in that spot, as I mentioned. It was a double by Andrew McCutcheon that chased him from the game, a ground rule double that scored a run. Still had a runner at third, though, when Oviedo came in to finish that inning. He got the ground ball that he needed. Cardinals were able to keep it right there, and that ends up proving absolutely critical, right? Those situations where you're already losing in a game, but it's only a one-run, maybe a two-run game. The guy you bring in from the bullpen, it's his job to be able to keep it right there. Now, in this case, Oviedo only had to do that for one batter, But there was a man 90 feet away from scoring. He was already on third base when Oviedo came in. He got that big out, and then Nolan provided the rest. The walk to Goldie, the home run by Arenado, suddenly you're in the lead. And if you're Johan Oviedo, you probably have it in the back of your mind, man, I've never had a major league win, but this one might be kind of easy to come by. I just sort of walked into this game, and suddenly we've got a lead, and I'm the pitcher of record. But he had to work for it. As I mentioned, the next two innings, he was absolutely nails. Two and a third, no runs, no walks, no hits. Three strikeouts for Johan Oviedo. Congrats to Oviedo. Would love to see more of him in that role moving forward. And if he can turn into a lockdown guy there, you start to kind of form a little bit of a path here to a bullpen that can be something special. Let's break it down a little bit. Helsley is typically your closer, but Gallegos can do it as well. They're both part of that dynamic duo from the right side at the back end of games. Cabrera, obviously part of that group as well, but from the left side, he got his first save of the season tonight, and his ERA is 2.27. He's done a really nice job. Those three are the circle of trust at this point. Polante, he was working his way into that group, was Andre Polante, but then he moved into the starting rotation. He's done a nice job there as well, so I don't think he's moving anytime soon. There is the potential for Jordan Hicks to come back, and does he slide back into the rotation, bumping Polante. I don't think so at this point. I don't think that should be the case anyway. I think you might go ahead and take Jordan Hicks, sit him down and say, listen, I know you want to be a starter. We tried it. We did everything we could to devote the resources to you to make that happen. It didn't pan out right now. First and foremost has to be your health. That's the main thing we're worried about. We want to, we want to see you pitch. Whatever the role is, we want to get you healthy and see you pitch. Dealing with the forearm issue, remember last year he had the elbow. That was already on the surgically repaired Tommy John elbow And he had another small tear that he had to rehab, missed the whole season in 2021. Uh, Jordan Hicks throws 100, guys. Just see him on the mound and see him stay there would be the main focus. And it's easier said than done, obviously. I don't think there is one fix-all, automatic cure for what Jordan Hicks goes through as a pitcher, throws 100, and can't seem to stay healthy. Alex Reyes has dealt with the same stuff. Injuries just continue to, to plague the guy. I don't think we've had any shoulder situations for Jordan Hicks yet. That's what Reyes is dealing with right now. But the reality is, it's hard to keep these guys healthy. The Cardinals came into the season partially with the plan of having Jordan Hicks in the rotation because they thought that might keep him healthier. Well, it hasn't really panned out that way. I think you can make an argument for not having him just be that one inning burst reliever where he's trying to throw as hard as he possibly can for 12 pitches and then he's done and then you might ask him to do it again the next night or two days later. That's maybe not the ideal usage for him. And so they went the other route and tried to have Jordan Hicks be a starter. The numbers just haven't been successful. Not be, And I don't think it's entirely because, well, he wasn't built up to pitch count. They said they were fine with that at the beginning of the season. They were okay giving him that fifth starter spot, allowing Jordan Hicks to build up as the season went along, and then let the effectiveness take over from there. Well, he hasn't been effective has been the problem. Too many walks. Not enough strikes, not enough efficiency, probably not enough to remain in the starting rotation. Not to me when you've got Andre Pallante showing a little bit more regularly that kind of efficiency. And again, he's been a guy that was a reliever to begin the year, but then suddenly they say, hey, we need you in the rotation. It didn't take him six weeks to ramp up. He's already throwing five, six innings. Maybe not six, but he was five and change, I believe, the last time out. He's in that range, and it didn't take very long to make it happen. That's kind of a proof of concept that it doesn't have to take forever. Like, Jordan Hicks, by the end, should have been throwing six-inning outings, but it was his effectiveness keeping him from doing so. And then part of that may be because he was injured and we didn't know about it yet, and so then he goes on the IL. But I think about Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty, already two starts, three innings in each of them. Yeah, they're slowly working up the pitch count. Forget pitch count. Where's the effectiveness? Because if a guy throws 71 pitches and gets through five or five and change in terms of inning count... You'll take that every time. But with Jack, it was three innings, three more balls than strikes. Got to find a way to replicate the more consistent outings that Jack Flaherty is capable of having. Replicate what he did in the minor leagues in those rehab assignments when he was efficient, he was effective. That's what he's looking to do. Jordan Hicks, I think, needs to just find a way to do the same thing, whatever role that might be in. And so I say all this to kind of set up the scenario of if you've got Cabrera Helsley and Gallegos at the back of the bullpen you really like those three you've got Zach Thompson and Johan Oviedo settling into sort of those middle inning roles doesn't have to just be one inning you can go two innings with these guys you can go one and two thirds you can go two and a third the way Oviedo did tonight that's flexibility that's effectiveness that's what you're looking for eat some innings the days of the long relief man who just comes in only when you're up five or down five and you just need to burn through some innings because baseball games are nine innings long and you've you've got to finish them. Those days are really over, or they should be anyway. You shouldn't have anybody in your bullpen just designated for that. It's outdated. It's an outdated concept. Like, you can have a TJ McFarlane who's not pitching well, but he's a veteran player, and so you're going to try to give him the chance to work through it. You can allow those guys to throw three or so innings in those blowout kinds of situations. You don't need the—it's like the the old Mike Matheny reliever, the break— in case of emergency. Break glass in case of emergency reliever. They don't need to designate a spot for that guy. It's like Ben the Jake Woodford role, and before him it was maybe the Austin Gomber role before he got into the rotation in 2020 and then was obviously traded away for Arenado. It's that kind of role that is just useless anymore because Oviedo, the, the innings he pitched tonight, yes, it was quote-unquote long relief, two and a third, but they were so valuable. The innings were necessary. It was a one-run game. And that is the kind of pitcher that I think the Cardinals and every team in Major League Baseball, they need multiple of those kinds of guys who can go pitch. Don't worry about I get the sixth or I get the fifth if the score is and it's a little equation. Forget about that. Just go pitch. And Oviedo, as a former starter, and this is the way I like it to progress. If If a guy is a starter, he's got great stuff, he's got great potential, but then he flames out, he fails as a starter over a period of time, Take the failed starter and then convert him to relief. They kind of skipped that step with a guy like Ryan Helsley with Hennessy Cabrera. Those guys were good minor league starters. Never had a chance because they threw 100 and the Cardinals said, oh, we need you. And so they're in the bullpen. And that's fine. They're both very good in the roles that they're in right now. But my preference is let a guy stretch out and see if he can actually do it first. Oviedo's had enough time now that I think totally reasonable to throw him in the bullpen and see what he can do and then start introducing him to more high leverage spots see what he's made of in terms of the intestinal fortitude to handle high-leverage situations. So far, he's he's coming out smelling like a rose. I love the way Oviedo looks. Again, he looks sharper. He looks confident. He looks like he's got a purpose out there on the mound. It's fantastic. Who's to say that they couldn't do something similar for Jordan Hicks? They've never tried it. They've tried him as a starter. They've tried him as a closer. I don't know that either role is perfect for him. I'm not going to say he's a failed starter, but the the early returns are not all that encouraging. And you can make the case that if he was injured, that's the reason. But could not Jordan Hicks go out and do what Oviedo did tonight? couple innings, inning in two-thirds, two and a third. Knows that he's got 40 or 50 bullets in him and, and be able to allocate those bullets more effectively over the course of a game. I think that could be interesting. And in Oviedo's case, he was far more efficient than 40 or 50. He had 32 pitches, 20 of them were strikes. The man was absolutely on his game tonight. It was great to see. I think that could be an interesting opportunity for Jordan Hicks when he comes back. I know he just pitched in a rehab assignment the other day. He looked pretty good by all accounts. For me, I'm not putting him back in the rotation. I'm letting Palante ride with what he's got because again, don't reverse engineer this in the wrong, wrong direction. Don't take a guy who's actually thriving as a starter and say, nope, you got to go back to the bullpen because you want to force the issue on a guy who has not really taken advantage of his opportunities as a starter. I know Jordan Hicks wants to be a starter. I think the better role for him might be the, as another right-hander doing exactly what Oviedo did tonight, because tomorrow Oviedo won't be able to do that, right? He just pitched two and a third. He's out for at least two days right now. Yeah, probably 32 pitches. I think I know he got up and down multiple times because he pitched in three separate innings, but only 32 pitches. You can make a case that he only would have to miss maybe one day, but they will be a little careful with him. Again, he's a young arm, 24 years old. You want to take care of him the same way you've taken care of guys like Helsley. So maybe they'll give him two days off. So what does that mean? Well, you look tomorrow, if you get into a similar situation, it might have to be Drew Verhagen. It might have to be a T.J. McFarland if he wasn't on the the injured list. It might have to be Nick Whitgren. Like, these are, you got to use your whole bullpen. But if instead your best option is Jordan Hicks instead of Drew Verhagen, and it's a Jordan Hicks who pitches with purpose and, and confidence because he knows his role and he knows what his job is, hey, we need a couple innings from you right here and, and give him hell. Don't feel like you have to throw 105, but go do your thing and, and just pitch with confidence. I think that could be effective. You you have those guys alternating. You have your lefties cycling in when they need to. It's a different era. All your relievers should be able to go a couple innings if they need to, or at least go get you five outs if you need them. And that flexibility is something that I think Ollie Marmel is introducing this year. It's something that Mike Schilt, they talked about when he was the manager, but they never actually did it. Like, I can remember writing articles in spring training last year 2021 talking about the way that the, the new situation after COVID and everything set up to have more dynamic relievers and to have things be a little bit more uh, newfangled, right? To to use the terrible word, a little bit more uh, modern. It's an approach that we've seen from other teams. The Dodgers have done it. The Giants have done it. The Rays have most certainly done it. And I don't know if the philosophical differences were that, I think on the hitting side, there are definitely some differences between Schilt and Jeff Albert. But when you hear John Mozeliak like, say philosophical differences, we may never know exactly what all took place in those discussions. But I can tell you, we're seeing a difference in the way that the bullpen has been utilized this year. Relief pitchers. And I, I know a lot of people look at Ollie Marmol and say, he's done a bad job. He's not using Helsley enough. He's giving away games where he shouldn't be. Okay, sure. I don't see it that way, though. I see a man that's trying to operate under constraints that he's in where he's got to keep guys healthy and he's got to win baseball games and he's got to think about six months and not just one day, I see him doing all that and blending it, honestly, in a pretty effective way. I've been intrigued by the way Ollie Marmel has handled it this season. You could make maybe the case that in the Boston series, he could have used or Gallegos, but again, that's all hindsight because it didn't make sense at the time to do it, not knowing that maybe the next day you might need those guys. And if you didn't have them, well, that's a bummer. It just so happened that for four days in a row, they didn't need them, and so they didn't use them in some situations that may have benefited the team to do so in retrospect. I get it, but all in all, I think Ollie's doing a nice job with the way he's handling it. I do think he waited too long to make the change to Zach Thompson and Oviedo instead of McFarland and Verhagen as as the go-to guys in those down-by-two-run situations, down-by-one-run situations, or... It's the fifth inning, and our starter didn't go very deep. And even though we're winning, we need you. Like, I, I think, I think he's done okay with that, despite maybe a couple of in, infamous recent examples where you could point the finger and say they messed that up. And I think they waited too long to make the transition to the guys that are now thriving. But other than that, I think it's been a nice job. He's he's doing what he can with what he's got. But if you look at having a big three and then having an effective Oviedo, an effective Thompson, maybe an effective Jordan Hicks, if he can hang in that that similar role, and then maybe go trade for a guy who's like a closer for another team, like a Scott Barlow for the Royals. We'll get more into names as July turns and we can start really ramping up the trade machine. But you go get a David David Robertson, another example for the Cubs. Get a guy who's closing games for the team he's on. The team he's on's not going to make the playoffs. Go get that guy and now he can close for you if he needs to, but you've already got a closer in Helsley. You've got one that can do it in Gallegos. Just add him to the bunch. Add him to the group of guys that can pitch the eighth and the ninth or the leverage spots of games, and suddenly if you're replacing your worst reliever with that guy, you've just gotten much better as a bullpen, and I think that is the the kind of missing ingredient that the Cardinals could add to maybe take their game to the next level because I think the offense has been pretty good. It's inconsistent. There, there are always going to be gripes about the offense. But when you look on the whole, and it's not even a team. I know they struck out 13 times tonight. And over this road trip, they've struck out at least 10 times in a game, like three different times in the last five or six games. That's not ideal. But on the season, they, they actually rank as one of the better teams in the National League in terms of limiting strikeouts as an offense. So they have pretty good play discipline on the whole relative to the league. I know it's a different game than than your grandpa watched because strikeouts are just part of the game now. It's not looked down upon the way that it once was. But the Cardinals are also still getting on base. They're they're doing some damage with with a pretty good regularity, and they're making things happen offensively frequently enough that with the rotation that they have in place, makeshift though it may be until Flaherty gets back to full strength and Palante is still kind of feeling his way through things and Steven Matz is on the IL. We don't know if Hicks is got There's all these questions, Sure. Wainwright's, you know, maybe not getting as deep into games the last couple outings, whatever. But with the pitching that they have in place and the offense, the way it's performing, I just think if you really beef up that bullpen with a trade or two, like, actually go for it. I know it's going to cost you somebody that you you probably don't want to lose. Could cost you an Alec Burleson, you know? That's a good prospect. That's a guy that could be in the majors any time now. Outfielder doing really well with Memphis, but... Look at your outfield. Don't you want Tyler O'Neill? Don't you want Dylan Carlson, Harrison Bader to be your outfield? Don't you think Juan Yepes is going to get some time out there, Brendan Donovan? It's the age-old debate in the, the classic issue for the Cardinals, but they've got so much talent. They've got guys coming through the system that you go, well, where did that guy come from? Well, they drafted him. They developed him. He's here. Like, he's ready. Someone's getting traded, right? It's the reason Randy Rosarino has happened. It's the reason... Adoles Garcia's happened. These guys go elsewhere because the Cardinals develop the crap out of them and then they end up you know, the one knock you could have is sometimes they don't pick the right guys to keep but the development is there's no question about their ability to identify and then develop some talent and then sometimes they have to go somewhere else to thrive. But honestly I think it might be worth it to give up a prospect that you may find is blocked in this organization anyway and then we can piss and moan and complain about it later when Luke Voigt goes on and does what he does or Dallas Garcia or, you know, whomever, Nick Plummer. That one was kind of silly. They could have kept him, but I don't think he's done a whole lot with the Mets since I raised the sink about it a few weeks ago. He started off pretty strong though. I guess I should probably look it up, but my point is there's going to be guys that you trade away and that's the nature of the game. Sometimes you develop guys to have the option to go and acquire some better players at positions of need when you need them to make a run for the playoffs. This is the year I think that the Cardinals are really going to need to go in on that bullpen because they've got a really good team in place. They stay healthy at a lot of the major positions. I think they're going to be in a really good spot. But, man, supplementing that bullpen would feel pretty darn good. Right now they've got a lead in the division. We'll see what ends up happening on Thursday afternoon, the finale of this series against the Brewers, and then they come home the weekend against the Cubs, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Bush. That'll be fun. See what the Cardinals are able to do against the Cubbies. And then they host the Miami Marlins early next week. So there's an opportunity against some lesser competition coming up here for the Cardinals to really make some noise. You'd like to see them go out on top in this Milwaukee series, take three or four, have that two-game lead in the division, and then start beating up on the Cubs-Marlins. You could see the Cardinals here build a little bit of a gap between them and the Brewers if things break right over the next week or so. And it starts with a win on Thursday. Dakota Hudson, Jason Alexander. I think the Cardinals have the, the advantage there if you look at the pitching matchup. Alexander's got some decent numbers, not a whole heck of a lot of experience though at the major league level this year and he's 29 years old, I believe. He's not exactly a young guy. He's been good though. 1-0, 2.42 ERA. But again, 1-0, he hasn't he's got 8 Ks this season. He's, he hasn't pitched a whole lot at the big league level. Dakota Hudson has 5 and 3, 3.31 ERA. Can he find that next gear against Milwaukee? That's I mean, that's a ballpark that you can see some offense in sometimes. Base runners are going to get on. Milwaukee's got a solid lineup. They're where they are for a reason. would be huge to go ahead and see Dakota Hudson just really lock it down for one of his classic efficient outings. Needs 95 pitches to get through seven innings. Like, that can be something that he does tomorrow. It's an afternoon game. Cardinals would love to see it from him. Looking through the lineup here for Milwaukee, or not the lineup, rather, but just the uh, position players and what they've done against Hudson in their career. Not a whole lot of experience. Yellich is a 2-for-8. Luis Urias, 1-for-3. Yelich has a couple of home runs, actually. So that's something to watch out for. Eight at-bats, two hits, two homers for Christian Yelich. Nobody else has homered off of Hudson. So watch out for Yelich, but otherwise, you might be okay here. Uh, no Cardinals have ever faced uh, Jason Alexander. So that'll be kind of new. Right-hander, but it's somebody I think the Cardinals can can get after a little bit. So we'll see what happens on Thursday afternoon. And then we'll be back, hopefully, by Thursday night to recap it for you guys on Be shape Daily. Make sure to subscribe to Be shape Daily, please, if you've not done so already, on Apple Podcasts, and leave me a review. I'm talking directly to you right now, you the listener. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. It would make me very happy, especially if it's a nice review. But I really would appreciate that. Would like to get the reviews up and we get more ears on this podcast. Tell your friends too. Cardinals fans, why aren't you listening to B-Shape Daily? Get it on. Daily recap of what's going on with the Cardinals, everything you need to know. What more could you want? So appreciate you guys as always for listening. But that's going to do it for this edition of B-Shape Daily. We will talk to you next time on the podcast known as B-Shape Daily. Peace.